Good morning and welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And we are pleased to welcome back former State Senator Craig Johnson, formerly representing the 7th uh, Senate District on the North Shore of Long Island. And it's finally happened, Craig, the long-awaited decennial, I love that word, decennial, decennial reapportionment around the country, but it's now come to New York Finally, there is so much yep. to unpack, and who better than you as our resident state politics expert here uh, to tell us what's happened, who are the winners, who are the losers? Well, obviously, we know the winners are the Democrats. The that, Democrats. That goes, you know, it's just, hey, the victor goes to spoils. Right. Okay. So tell, us, so tell us what happened and, you know, tell us what's in store for the state of New York. Are we going way far off to the left cliff uh, when, when it comes down to it after this reapportionment? Look, I think, um, you know, we're, we are where we are because there was an independent redistricting effort, you know, under the law and the independent redistricting commission could not reach a conclusion. You know, some have argued that it was, uh, you know, baked that way. You know, I'd like to think that they had good intentions and they just weren't able to come to a conclusion. Uh-huh. You know, that, be, that being uh-huh. said. And okay, the, well, I got to stop. That, let's, let's just, just a deference to... We'll, we'll just say the voters wanted this clearly, and they wanted they passed the constitutional amendment to have this. Um, I don't blame the Democratic Party for wanting to do in New York what happened in other states, what the Republicans do. And, you know, as you've correctly pointed out, the victors go as the spoils. But at the same time, I think it's pretty clear from what happened that the Democrats had a concerted effort to kind of throw out the commission, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that, but that's fine. I'm going to disagree with that. Feel free. But, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the fun, there. Craig, that we should disagree. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's what makes us Americans. Um, but look where they are is the, um, the commit, they could not reach a, a, a conclu- they could not reach an agreement. The legislature rejected and then took over the process. And, uh, and now, you know, Disclose, declared and disclosed the maps that were created, both congr- you know, congressional, Senate, and Assembly. And in fact, as we are taping this, the state Senate is in debate on uh, voting on the congressional maps. I think the congressional, I think the Senate and the Assembly maps have to wait another day, uh, given how, when they were introduced. So um, we are in a very interesting um, scenario. I think that it's clear um, that the uh, Democrats have. Uh, drawn the maps in a way that is compliant under the law and as a well, result I guess we'll see right i mean they could be in court we'll see what what happens with that but you know let's we know what's we'll, gonna happen with we're that. gonna go the, we're gonna go with that general assumption that things are legal until said otherwise fair enough but i think it's pretty evident that they're going to be upheld by the courts because they've the courts have been upholding you know you know when the shoe's on the other foot and they run to court the courts uphold those maps so Look, you know, again, we we are in New York State. If we were having a discussion in Texas, I think we, I would have a different you know, viewpoint. That being said, I think what you have are some, you know, some very interesting districts, some districts that are have been drawn in a way to uh, ensure certainly to help the reelection efforts of certain incumbents. Um, they've been drawn at the congressional level to uh, ensure, you know, they have to address the fact that one, they are losing one seat. So they've done that. Um, obviously, you know, there are certain Republican members who I think um, are a little bit more upset, you know, given the fact that, 
they they live in an, in, in a for example a city that is overwhelmingly democratic and now their congressional district's going to be you know more representative of the city and not just simply one particular let's say borough um but look you know if you know if i'm andrew gabarino i'm thrilled with my new congressional district i mean that's you know cd2 is locked and loaded for uh you know, for a long time, if you're a Republican, but but they've also addressed, you know, they've made uh, Congressional District One um, a little bit more of a fair fight and, and gives Democrats the opportunity. You know, my Congressional District's uh, a strange, strange one. one. Yes, you know, we we sh- we. I don't know if we have time to take it one by one, but let's talk about that one because that is one of the stranger yeah. ones. Okay, you live on the North Shore of Long Island. They took this district, which used to kind of carry from Suffolk on the North Shore through Nassau into Queens. And then, and instead of now, they took it into Queens just by, I don't know, a couple blocks in Queens uh, yeah. and stretched it in the Bronx. And then they kind of a, took a right turn into Westchester. Um, and well, please. It's not, though, it's not. There is precedent for that. Nita Lowy, uh, back in the 90s, represented both Queens Westchester and Westchester. And Queens, yes. Right? She had a little bit of a, you know, well, we'll call it yes, a, but that was kind of a north-south type of thing. You know, and, uh, over the water. Here's the same thing. You can't do north-south. Well, everybody south, goes over be- the water, right? I mean, you know, the Staten Island has gone over the Verrazano. I mean, that's not a unusual thing. The question is, you take people who are... You know, you need to cross. Uh, you need to pay a lot of a lot in tolls in order to get there. Or you can start up the Glencoe Ferry Terminal again. Uh, and make okay. It easier for well, there you go. But look, you know, um, it's an interesting it's an interesting seat. I think that, and, and what makes it really unique this year is it's an open seat, right? So you got a pretty significant primary going on right now. Some established candidates out there um looking you know looking to represent the district and it potentially and opens it up to some potential new entries to that primary sure. you know i heard the other day that state senator biaggi is now considering the race i think it's going to be tough for a new york city you know a bronx or westchester the seat is heavily long island i think that you know and you know look you're in the south shore i'm in the north shore you, you know a long island elected official is very different from a a Bronx elected official or, or an elected official from the Bronx who represents certain more liberal areas of Westchester, you know, you know, the property taxes, bail reform. These are issues that, you know, are on the, 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 and the front and center of the minds of the voters here in Nassau and Suffolk County. And I think that anybody, you know, rep- running or representing in the third congressional district is going to have to have a particular viewpoint that may be less progressive than than how they may have voted. So I think it'll be an interesting race. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple more people enter because of the new lines. Um, but look, you know, you've got Max Rose, you know, his chances in the 11th certainly have, have improved with the addition of certain Brooklyn areas. Well, unless he gets a primary from those Brooklyn areas. Correct. I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, let's, I mean, that's, look, that's a very important district. So let's take a moment to talk about that one, sure. for example. Okay. So they, as you kind of had mentioned, there was definitely a concerted effort to take the one Republican held seat in New York City, currently held by Nicole Malliotakis, a Staten Island based seat with a uh, overlap in Brooklyn or, a, and, take that Brooklyn portion of the district and instead of having it in a more conservative area, heavily populated by Russian and Orthodox Jews, uh, take it to the much more liberal environs all the way up into Park Slope. In doing that, they also made a very uh, 
wildly contorted uh, 10th district, but we'll get that into, get into that in a second. Um, but uh, if you look at, let's say, you know, some of the primary past primary votes, they tend in that district, that new district, they tend to skew far to the left of where Max, one Max Rose might be. Um, perhaps I mean, there's been rumor that Mayor Bill de Blasio gets in there. Uh, living in Look, Park he's Slope, got he's got nothing. He's got, he's got nothing, nothing to, do. to do. He ain't running for governor. Maybe this he is needs a, a job. Yeah, that would really be something. I mean, Max Rose, having famously called Bill De Blasio the worst mayor in the history of New York City, I guess there is no love lost between those two. But Craig, you're the Democrat. Tell us. Look, I think that the the eleventh. I think I would. I would not want to be Nicole Melantakis right now. But let's stress this, and I think this is very important. You know, elections, you know, come down to turnout. We've had these conversations before. I think we had this conversation in November of this year, a conversation two years ago. Whoever gets out their votes and voters wins. And I think there's a general acknowledgement that November 2022 is going to be a challenging time for Democrats. You know, it's an off-year election. It's not a presidential. You know, the history always shows that the first federal or the first even year election, you know, always goes against the party in power and the presidency. I think that if you look at what happened in 2010, I think if you look what happened uh, in in 2002 or more importantly, 2006, you know, you know, the party out of power seems to do a very good job. So you look, you, you actually you know, are proof of that. I mean, to that I am you're proof of that. Yeah, yeah that I was a red, red wave year that you uh you know, lost your seat. Fortunately yeah, for I you, I think you look back very fondly on that idea. But yes, I agree. I thank Jack Martins every day and every chance <laughs> to see him. But I think that that's why, you know, everyone's getting so excited about the numbers and excited about the seats and, you know, you know, who's done this, who's done that. Look, at the end of the day, if if the if Democrats are upset that Joe Biden is not delivering on X, Y and Z, as we saw in 2021, they won't come out and vote. Laura Curran's proof of that. Voters did not come out. And so as a result, I think that everybody just has to keep doing their job. And if Nicole Meliantakis can make the case that it's better for New York City to have her in power in the majority than have a, let's say, Max Rose or whomever in the minority. Or Bill de Blasio. Or Bill de Blasio, whoever it may be. I'm, so, I'm on that I, trade, by the way. I am pushing that one because I just want to see that. That is going to be a great spectator event. Anyway. Yeah, I think, so I think I think that what everyone, I mean, look, what, what these races and what these lines have really done it, it, it will shake up like who runs, right? For example, I heard that my former colleague and friend, Kathy Young, Republican state senator from upstate, is now thinking about running in the same seat that Claudia Tinney has now identified where she's going to run. Right. I knew um, Claudia Tinney... Having represented a different area, more central New York, now trying to get into the southern tier, western New York seat, which is being vacated by Tom Reed. Interestingly enough, Craig, they did not get rid of that seat. It's kind of like the easy one. You know, you got a guy who's who's walking away and retiring. Why don't you just get rid of the seat, essentially? And, you know, and yeah, they could have done a bunch of things. And I think, you know, but at the end of the day, they looked at the well, they made the the four Republican majority seats that are clearly drawn in order to create and let's actually we should take one second to just talk about the current state of play right you have eight republicans and 19 democrats or something like currently yeah. and new york yeah, losing one 
And now they've drawn four safe Republican seats with the idea of having 22 Democrats elected. Yeah, but you have three retirements, you know, Zeldin, Reed and uh, Kako. And look, I think what what they've done very effectively um, is they have bolstered and really helped some Democratic members upstate who needed, you know, needed the help. You know, Delgado is a great example. His numbers, you know, his seat is, is you know, on the numbers shows a stronger Democratic seat. However, if Mike Molinaro continues to run, he is a credible candidate with a very good record, you know, as a, as the county executive. And again, in a year, if the vote, if the independent voters, for example, are angry, you know, over the way things, you know, are transpiring in Washington or in Albany, does that translate to a problem for Delgado? And I think that's what you have to think about. You can't rest on, I have a great district. What you have to rest on is my record. And, and these are swing stand. districts. No matter what it yeah. is, these have been swing districts for quite some time. The other, I mean, Absolutely. let me just ask you, Craig, because a lot is being made of the 2020 numbers, right? Let's go by what happened in 2020, which I would throw out there is a little bit of an anomaly in New York State. Clearly, the hyper anger uh, with regard to Donald Trump was beyond ratcheted in here in New York. I mean, Donald Trump got 38% of the vote. It's not that it's, you know, that's not reflective in the lines. So we'll, we'll, you know, it's not 38% of the vote now going to Republicans in Congress, but we'll leave that aside for a second. But what I'm saying is there was a huge groundswell of Democrats coming out to get Donald Trump out of office, even though it was in New York, even though you could say it didn't matter, they still came out and swept Republicans in 2020 here in New York. So the question is, are Democrats looking at the 2020 numbers, which are high water mark as far as turnout is concerned, and kind of extrapolating them for 2022, where you might, as you said, you might not have the same turnout, and you're putting some of these seats that are you're thinking that might not be competitive, but they actually might be competitive in that midterm year where the there will be and there has been and there's certainly a feeling of backlash against Joe Biden. Yeah, certainly. I think that they're bolstering the seats to make sure that in a in a difficult year like 2022, they at least have the cushion that they need to have because they're going to have voter drop off either, you know, independents voting Republican, maybe a Democrat or two voting Republican. Uh, but certainly Democrats potentially staying home. So they're, you know, you're bolstering it and you're making sure that, you know, the seats that you fought very hard and, you know, to win in 20 or in 2018 will stay that way in 22. I, I still think though, that this is going to be a very challenging year. I lived it in 2010 and I think that we're going to, we're going to see it again in 22. You know, for me, when I lost my seat by less than 500 votes out of 89,000 cast, I, you know, I could rattle. But who's counting? Or who's counting? It was 451. But um, you know, it's over the MTA payroll, MTA payroll tax. That's a very different issue. That's a very different than, than bail reform. Yeah, and, bail reform and is a much more personal issue, and you know, that's sad. And, and cops getting killed and all that. This is going to be a it's going to be a challenge. Um, do I think that the Democrats can overcome it? I think they have a they have a message that they can generate that can bring Democratic bring excitement to Democrats, but also keep independence and bring independence home. But it's it's going to rely on a lot of you know a lot of luck and a lot of where the economy is going to go. But I think the one message that won't work 
um, is the Donald Trump message. He's not on the ticket. He's not on the ballot. People don't vote about former presidents. They vote about current presidents. And we saw that in 2021. You're going to see that in 2022. Uh, but that being said, again, with the redistricting, I think you have, you know, enough of districts that have been bolstered by the way they are, they're drawn to the races will be close. And if they were the old lines, they may have a different result. I think the new lines help, certainly helps people like, you know, Congressman Delgado and others. OK, I want to talk a uh, Jewish focus for a second, Craig, and I'm not sure how much you looked at this, but, you know, you're you're these specific instances. But I look at these maps and not just for congressional, but also for state Senate and elsewhere. And I look at the chopping up, particularly of the Orthodox community, the more conservative Republican voting leaning areas of New York State, such as southern Brooklyn, such as the five towns far Rockaway, which has moved into a a majority uh, African-American district of Southeast Queens away from traditional Long Island. And that's always been a thing. Sacrosanct. You never break that Queens Nassau border when it comes because the governments are so are so different. Um, I look at um, the Brooklyn Jewish community being split up, uh, you know, gerrymandered for Jerry Nadler, um, you know, for that contortion of trying to connect the Upper West Side with Borough Park to kind of uh, counter the conservative Jewish votes there with liberal Jewish votes uh, in the Upper West Side, and then also chopped up between Hakeem Jeffries and Yvette Clark so as not to really allow an Orthodox person uh, candidate to emerge potentially to run for Congress. Um, you know, that's elsewhere. It's up up in Curious Joel area that they, they took uh, the, the village slash town. They had to keep that intact, but the other areas right adjacent where Orthodox Jews lived, they, they put those into other districts. I mean, do you see a way, and this is at the same time where the Democrats claim that they really want all, uh, all you know, protecting all ethnic groups do they are, are jews just on the outs when it comes to that are they just another white group i mean tell tell us no, you know give I, us an idea I, about how they think yeah, about these things or, the or are you just being punished is, for voting republican no the answer is no to all that look no I mean, first okay. of all i understand i had that great speech craig and you said just no okay I'm, just, I'm sorry my friend i'm dismissing it but look you know as you know you're Orthodox. I'm Reform Reconstructionist. You know, you know, we we all celebrate the holidays on the same day and the same time. But look, you know, my also understanding at the same time is there is a creation of a new seat up in the Rockland. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. The Rockland County area that's going to be an Ortho. It's going to be an Orthodox, in an Orthodox, uh, ultra Orthodox seat. You know, in the New York State Assembly. It was a. It was a in the papers yesterday. I, I saw. First it. of all, I right. So. You have that. Second of all, but look, that's intended you know, to, know, to elect. That's intended to elect a Democrat, so it fits I, in. I think. I think your. I, I think you know the five towns and the rep. You know those who live in the five towns will be, you know, excited to learn that Senator Sanders, who you know whose district they're falling into, is an outstanding senator and somebody who will you know who will help address their needs and really will, will understand their concerns. And you know, I'm happy. You know, if you're happy you to make those me, introductions. I'm happy to make absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's important, you know, to do that, um, because again, you know, it, it's all new, and it's it's all something that you know, change is always sometimes a little bit scary, and you know, there are always ways that things are done, but you know, the you know, the Orthodox community, the Jewish community, is a very loud voice and a very successful voice in Albany. You know, it's something that you know I worked very closely with, you know, your, or, your Orthodox organizations, you know, on lobbying on particular bills. Um, they are present. They are, you know, they are tough, 
and you know working with them i love them as my allies and i fear them as my adversaries so i don't think that you know you know you know communities you know by moving lines and this and that has anything more to do than way the demographics are working and you know this is the way you know things are going to be they will continue to have a very strong voice a strong representative and look if it requires establishing a relationship so be it you know but at the end of the day no one certainly no one's being punished for for how they may or may not vote okay well let's get into the um let me get let me get into the Jerry Mander, and not specifically to Jerry Nadler. But a I, or a G. Exactly. Well, I think it's now forever going to be with the J. I think that has changed. Yeah, I mean, I think that that has actually happened. It was in the New York Times. It's very clearly going to happen. You know, and again, referring to this, it's, it's, it's really hard to explain unless you can visualize it, and radio is not a visual medium, so we're not even going to really talk about the shape of it. But what I'm trying to, what, what my question is for you is the H.R. 1, for example, you know, this voting rights bill that stalled, it's not, well, okay, we happened. Democrats take great pains to say we are not for gerrymandering. We would never do it. It's fact, it's terrible, it's bad for the country, it only gets people to go towards the extremes, and it's bad for politics. Yet, it's pretty clear, and I know we kind of talked about, we left that to the side, your your home dis- congressional district, you know, it's strange, uh, not traditional, okay? Nita Lowy notwithstanding. New York 10, I mean, some of these districts that are, that are, uh, that have been drawn are definitely not ne- necessarily taking in what would be, normally be th- thought of as communities of common interest. I think that is the, the standard. So I understand that, and even Sean Patrick Maloney's district, the chair of the GCCC, who it seems that he had the, was the guy with the drafts that Albany ended up using. His district itself kind of has this strange horseshoe shape um, that existed. These are very different districts than the ones that were drawn 10 years ago that a judge had to draw because the parties couldn't come to a uh, the two parties, I mean Democrats and Republicans, can come to agreement. So, how do you respond to this allegation that the Democrats are hypocritical with regard to this? I look. I remember when I was in the state Senate, looking at state Senate maps when I had taken office, and looking at the Senate maps upstate, and how they were drawn to include particular districts and particular areas and towns, and certainly had some really interesting. But shapes. Republicans did um, that, and it was okay because Republicans own it. Democrats don't want to yeah. own it. That's what I'm trying to say. I, don't, I, I disagree with that. I think that it's you know it's rich when we hear across the state. You know, one party, the, look, the party in power is going to have one one particular talking point. And the party in the minority is going to have the other talking point. And that's just a fact. And that's just politics. And I think that, you know, the notion that, um, you know, one party has a monopoly on how uh, how redistricting, redistricting should be, then they have to take power and take charge. And that's the way it is. So, look, you know, they, they did the constitutional amendment. They did the effort. There was a, a legitimate, they legitimately funded it. I mean, look, if, if, if they didn't want to this to go for, they would have stopped, they would have been funded an executive director. They would have, it would have died on the vine and then they move forward. They made every effort to have this work. It didn't work. And so this is where we are, which is a lot better than a lot of other states, which you don't even have that effort. You just simply have the power, the party in charge draws the lines. Look, it, it is, as I like to say, it is what it is. And instead of democracy ain't perfect. It, not only, it's messy. too. It's, Look, it's, know, it's messy. Okay. You and I both need laws. I mean, it's tough to make laws. So at the end of, at the end of the day, if you want to 
if you want to make a difference, bring out your voters, craft your message, win the election. Let me last question for you. Uh, does do these safe lines, the incumbent protection, the one party rule, what does that mean for New Yorkers? Are we headed towards more extreme? You know, you're you've been an IDC member, a centrist Democrat, called, you know, self-described. Does this bring drag the Democratic Party further to the left? No, I don't think it brings it further to the left. You mean it can't I go think, any further to the left? It's already there. <laughs> look, I think I, I, I it certainly. Do you subscribe look, to the I, Laura Curran message that she said a couple weeks ago that the party has lost its mind? I think that there are a lot of voices in the Democratic Party. I think all too often the louder voices are ones that are more progressive and more passionate. I think that, however, that simply being the loudest doesn't make you the most followed. And I think that what you're seeing and what you could see is suburban voters in 22. I don't want to use the revolt, but... Uh, you know, vote in a particular way because one, Donald Trump's not on the ticket. That's going to, you know, if Donald Trump is on the ticket, that turns off Democrats immediately, whether you're, you know, left, center, or even right. There is a tremendous discomfort. That said, if a, a Republican state senator where Donald Trump doesn't really matter to that particular individual can make the a candidate can make the case that he or she's going to lower property taxes, Fix the bail laws, you know, ensure that, you know, police, you know, that people are safe when they take the train and don't have to worry about being pushed into the subway tracks. That message is going to resonate and that's going to be a successful one. But I would urge that Democrats follow that message as well. And I think what oftentimes happens is there are a lot of Democrats who follow that message. And what happens is, is that they get shouted out on Twitterverse or wherever it may be by the far left. And everyone says the far left's taking over the party. I, I, just, I don't agree with that school of thought. If that were the case, Eric Adams would not be the mayor of New York City. And I think that... But Eric Adams day, is trying to reform bail, uh, re-reform bail reform, and he can't do it. Nobody's saying no. He's on his 32nd day in office. I'm going to give him, you know, let's, let's let's give him a little bit of time to kind of, you know, establish things and, and, and set things up. At the end of the day, it takes time to get these things done. And if it requires maybe a potentially, you know, a, a Democratic, you know, someone on the left to be challenged in a primary by somebody from the center, then so be it. And hopefully so. Craig Johnson, former state senator from Long Island, Democratic centrist. Thanks for enlightening us. I mean, this has been a real great rundown of uh, a partial rundown only of the new lines here in New York and where we go in the next decade. Michael, I always love coming on the show. Let's do it again soon. You got it. Take care, my friend. And this is Spin Class here on the Dockham Siegel Network. And as we close out this week, our final comment. Well, there was so much to deal with this week. Uh, and this bombshell report from Amnesty International calling Israel an apartheid state. We'll have to deal with that at a later issue. It's so it's disgusting and anti-Semitic, etc. But speaking of anti-Semitism, or at least the more of the stupid kinds, Whoopi Goldberg on The View and it's not really just about what she said. It's the conception of and what she said, of course, was that the Holocaust was not about racism. That the Holocaust was about man's inhumanity to man, which, of course, it was. But it's racism. I mean, 
it's pretty clear Hitler was not not clear about what he wanted, the way he looked at the world, the way he looked at races. Is this idea that she then goes on Stephen Colbert's show, which I thought was even worse, and tries to explain it. Well, this is my conception of things, that essentially it's white-on-white fighting. If two people are white, can't possibly be racist one towards another, or prejudiced. Well, I mean, racism, prejudice, I mean, bigotry. Aren't they all the same thing? Aren't they all the same package? If you're one, the other, you believe in white supremacy, you can also be bigoted towards other white people and hate other white people if they're not exactly like you. Remember this whole idea of WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, right? There used to be racism against Catholics in this country. I mean, tremendous bigotry towards Catholics, tremendous bigotry towards other white people. And the Nazis were racist, not towards just towards Jews, but to others as well. They felt they were inferior race. Slavs in particular, I mean, Eastern Europeans were of inferior races. They weren't targeted for extermination like the Jews were. But it's so clear if you know anything about history that Hitler was a racist, that the Nazis were racists. It was about race. This was race. And to say in denial, well, I don't know that I, it, her idea was, well, if I'm going down the street and there's a Klansman coming at me and I'm standing with the Jewish person, I'm in trouble, but the Jewish person, they can't readily be identified. Well, guess what? Number one, there are plenty of Jews who can be readily identified and we're proud of being identified. doesn't mean we should be subject to racism and bigotry. Similar. So what about those? What about the Jews who aren't white? or at least not white, who come from African, Middle Eastern countries. There are plenty of Jews like that as well. This idea of that we've discussed before, and it's so troubling, that in the hierarchy of things, we can't ever talk. There's this hierarchy of oppressed people, and that any black and brown people, they are always have can say whatever they want, because even towards Jews, because Jews are part of the privileged, privileged class, despite the fact that the Jews have been targeted by racism and discrimination and extermination. So much more so than any other group in history. And to ignore that and to not know that and to be on national TV and to then do an interview even afterward and not be able to talk about, I understand that you, everybody wants to say, Oh, what I meant was, but at least educate yourself before you talk about what you meant, at least have some idea And if you really don't understand how evil Hitler was and how evil the Nazis were, then go ahead and read Mein Kampf and read some of these books and educate yourself in order to do that. Don't talk about what I thought might have been, what I thought might have been. It just shows a profound ignorance. And this idea of we could just be blissfully ignorant towards evil, I wouldn't want if I was, you know, I, I should not be blissfully ignorant towards the evils of slavery either or anti-black bigotry. We should all be better on ourselves. And that's the real problem here. And it shouldn't be a two-week suspension. Trust me, I think she should have been fired right off the bat because that should be the same standard applied across the board, no matter what kind of racism you and whites and blacks and all kinds of people can and do exhibit racism. That's it for this week here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. See you next week. (laughs) 